<laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's Monday. Happy Monday. New week. Mm-hmm. How you feeling? Feeling like we just were blessed with an amazing, amazing, <laughs> phenomenal pay-per-view to finish out the year. I no. feel I feel like I went through that main event. Yeah, it was... We're talking top to bottom, bottom to top, head to toes, toe to head. Like, I still haven't recovered fully from no. last night. No, not I was all. telling you, when the fights were over, we were watching a little bit of the post-fight press conference. I said, this adrenaline dump, like, it has exhausted me. I was yeah. sweating. Yeah. Like... I did not like. I felt like I had just went to war. Yeah, we we were very lucky MMA fans on Saturday night. <laughs> and by how much I slept today, that proves that. But it was an incredible night of fights. Oh yeah. Uh, UFC 254 has some very big competition for Pay-per-view card of the, of the year. year yeah. yeah. So what a card it was! What a way to kind of. Sure, I know we have a fight night to talk about Friday, but what a way to really, like, pay-per-view-wise cap oh, yeah. off 2020, mm-hmm. a year that's been so bizarre and fucked up for a lot of people. Yeah. But as far as for what we love in MMA and for the UFC, uh, it's really been a pretty monumental year oh, in their yeah. growth and development, so um, couldn't be couldn't be happier with the way it went Saturday. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Uh, we don't have any news this week. It's time for no, no news. <laughs> so That's no, weird. Yeah, it's really weird. There's no news to really talk about. I mean, we could get into some speculative stuff with a couple fights that have been rumored, but um, until I get a, until we get more of a verbal confirmation that those fights are happening, uh, basically the ones being like Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa is being rumored for like in maybe an interim belt in March. Because uh, Adesanya going up to light heavyweight, it looks like, to fight Blahovich. And then um, the co-main event, uh, as you guys, if you watched last uh, Saturday night's broadcast, they showed the hype video for UFC 257, awesome video, and then showed the main card. Mm. There was four fights. Obviously, the co-main has not been announced yet. It's looking like it's going to be Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje. Yeah. Uh, Dana pretty much all but said that. It looks like that's what it's going to be, but until we get that confirmation, we just ain't going to talk about it. Right. We don't want to put any bad bad mojo, bad voodoo up in the air. Right, right. But if you want to consider this news, we do have another card to talk about. This is true. That's Bellator 254. This happened Thursday night. Thursday night. Uh, We watched it, I believe, after we were done recording, didn't we? Yeah, it timed perfectly. Yeah, so we... We're really going to start with the co-main event here. We talked about this gentleman Mm -hmm. on the podcast. Uh, the only man to beat current UFC bantamweight champion Peter Yan is Magomed Magomedov. And vice versa. And the only man to beat <laughs> Magomedov is Peter Yan. Uh, so he, a huge prospect, obviously, for that reason. Um, out of that, that Russian heritage that yeah. is so strong with these uh, fighters this right was, now. This was a huge signing when yeah. we talked about it for Bellator. So he gets put into a co-main spot here right away. Against Matthias Matos, who was twelve one and one, yeah, a stout dude. That dude was built he was big. Dude, he built looked way well. bigger. He was a much bigger guy. It looked like coming into the octa- or into the cage, excuse me. Um, but Magomedov just handled him. I mean, ragdolled him really. Yeah, it was easy for a guy who looked like the smaller fighter. He he looked like the less physically imposing fighter. Uh, his strength. 
is very under under the radar, I would say. And he proved that. I mean, he it was a complete shutout. Oh, yeah. It was just pure dominance. Perfect fight. Did what he had to do. Slammed him on his head. Do you remember oh, yeah, that? yeah. Dude, be, that was it, brutal. That, that was uh, very close to being a, that was almost scary. a spike, yeah. uh, which is an illegal maneuver in MMA. But um, since it wasn't considered, I mean, what an incredible, like, just, yeah. again, showcase of strength there. Going up against a guy who just looks like the bigger guy, looks like he would be the stronger guy, but in the cage it didn't prove to be that way. Yeah, I'm not sure all the rankings or order that it is right now in men's bantamweight and Bellator, but Magomed's he's already ready for the belt. And oh, whoa, whoa. Hey. Oh, I don't, I, I ain't going that far. Oh yeah, uh, pure dominance. No, he's really good. Um, I, it's you know Juan Archuleta is uh, another animal, so. Um, I like that they're. I want to see them keep, you know, bring bring him along at a decent pace. Don't force him into a title fight before he's really shown to be ready against the very top guys in his division. But it was a step in the right direction, I would say. And Bellator needs to keep bringing in these huge prospects, this which is, they've done a great we've, job. We've of. been really giving them a lot of props lately, yeah. and this I mean, was just a perfect example of it on Thursday night. The UFC with the resources you got Tuesday night contender, you got the ultimate fighter coming back. So they have these great resources to bring in that new talent. But at the same on that same kind of wavelength, I mean Bellator for the most part has really kind of held up with them this year when it comes to like big prospects. I mm-hmm. mean they've really and not even just this year, like last year, the last few years, they've really done a great job kind of hanging in there. And being able to pick off some of these guys that just either fell under the UFC's radar yep. or the UFC just maybe didn't see the potential that Bellator saw. And Bellator being a smaller promotion than the UFC, they can take those kind of risks mm-hmm. or feel like they can. I think they're willing to throw around a little bit more money for the younger prospects off the bat, too. Yeah. And, Which, I, and it seems to be working out for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And we'll get into our main event. This was the first time we got to watch Ali Malay. Live. Yeah. Lima Lee McFarlane, who's been kind of, I don't know if I want to say dominant flyweight champion, because ultimately she's been the only flyweight world champion mm-hmm. for Bellator since 2017. Yep. So I guess in a way it's been dominant, but um, she was 11-0 and coming into this fight. We had a little... Uh... One of those O's has got to go type matchups, yeah. didn't we? And her, and her uh, on the other end, you had Juliana Velasquez, who was also eleven and zero, or no, she was ten and zero. Sorry, coming into this fight. So what you kind of got here for Ali Malay, she has really, she really got the belt as a, I mean, as a prospect. You yeah. know, they when they started that one twenty five women's division, it wasn't like there was a ton going on there. Mm-hmm. So she gets the belt. But she's still growing as she's defending this belt and as she has this spotlight put on her. So you, it's kind of this weird thing where, like, she's being propped up as, like, this champion and, uh, and dominant champion. But, I mean, she still had a lot of growing to do. Mm. And this fight ended up proving that because yeah. uh, Juliana Velasquez, it ended she's up being 49-46 and then 48-47 on yeah. maybe two scorecards. Yeah, 48-47 twice and then a... 149. Um, but it was not even that close. Yeah, Velasquez, first off, looked like a bantamweight. Yeah, she compared looked Compared to Limale. It was a huge size difference, and that played a huge factor. Her striking was flawless. 
Limele could not close the gap, couldn't even touch her. Limele rounds, round or rounds, depending on which judge. Um, when she was successful is when she was able to push Velasquez up against the fence and then eventually drag her down for a takedown, but even still wasn't really able to do much on the ground outside of that, I think it was round three or three four. Three or four. But other than that, man, Velasquez is really good. 34 years old, again, another undefeated fighter. She she kind of put on a dominant performance against an undefeated champion. I mean, I'll say it. Yeah, and it's it's tough because, again, that was kind of my point of why Alimale, you know, this was a tough loss. But she's still growing. She's still so young yeah. and still fresh in her development. I mean, she's still – every fight – is getting better and better, and I know this fight was not necessarily her best performance, but she showed a lot of weaknesses in her stand-up and that ability to close the distance. You know, when she was eight, when she, there was a few times she had success where she would basically bull rush yeah. Velasquez and kind of force her up against the cage, and she showed some a really good ability to, to trip up Velasquez, who was the much bigger fighter, the much taller fighter, and that showed to be a problem for her to keep Velasquez down. That size, that that height. You know, height's not something that really um, a lot of times gets looked at as like a... Oh, it's... Yeah. Height doesn't tend to always really be the difference. We we look at the bigger muscles. And yeah, stuff, I mean, yeah. like, sure, you it helps with reach, obviously, if you're taller, but that's not always the case. So height by itself does not necessarily dictate how a fight goes. Yet, in this matchup, you saw Alimale trying to make those positions, trying to move Velasquez around on the ground. And Juliana, she just couldn't even get her arms completely clasped yeah. around her. I mean, she was that much bigger. Yeah. And literally once, looked like two different ways. And when the fight was on the feet, it was no contest. No, I mean, not Velasquez was piecing her up, and Alimale just had some. She showed a lot of holes in her striking, mm-hmm. I think. And again, she's still growing. She's still improving. So it's it's tough because you go, oh, as a champ, you look at it through the eyes or through the glasses of like, this is a champion we're watching. And it was a disappointing performance. Right. But she's still a prospect at the same time. I mean, if she was in the UFC right now instead, um, she would probably, I mean, she would still probably be a borderline top five gal in that division. Yeah. But she wouldn't have that pedigree to her. Yeah. She reminds me of like a Cynthia Calvillo almost. A little bit. Yeah. In terms of just the prospect style that's kind of labeled with her, but she's still like 30 or 31. But really good. This was her first loss. Uh, she's definitely still has tons of talent. But this Velasquez, um, she looks like she could be a champ over there for a little while. Based yeah. off, of I that mean, she definitely looked like on a different level. I mean, there's levels to this. You know, people say that. I I would imagine she could fight at 135 if she wanted. I still couldn't get over the size advantage. It was crazy. Yeah. So, I don't want to see an immediate rematch. No, not at all. Um, I know McFarland held the held the belt for a long time and. Um, but I, I'd like to see her kind of... If it was a little more competitive, maybe. I'd like to see but, her work her way back. You yeah. know, she's still a big name for them and a star for them. But um, I think that you let Velasquez defend on, once. And, and I think you let Alimale try to work her way back. I mean, I'm even thinking, like, maybe even two more wins. Mm-hmm. I know. I get it. She was the champion for three years, basically. But... Again, she she just needs to get better. She needs to improve at some of these things that we saw, especially with the striking. It's just not there compared to Velasquez. And if you didn't – like, Velasquez showed a great ability to keep her at distance, at oh, range. Yeah. 
and because she had the longer reach, she was able to keep her there, and Alimale tried to rush in with some shots, did not show a very strong ability to kind of hide some of her shots. They were very telegraphed at times, and sure, once you're getting pieced up, then, you know, sometimes the game, you you know, what's the classic Mike Tyson quotes, like, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. And that was the case here. I mean, she was beaten up pretty well. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she did show some heart there in the later rounds. Oh, I super mean, she, tough. Once she was, you know, once there was that time she got it to the ground, and, I mean, she really did kind of hold the position mm-hmm. for a while. She had her up against the fence, basically, on the ground. And she she definitely was holding her own there. For someone who we were just saying, you know, she didn't look like she was quite as strong, quite as big. Uh, once she gets it to the ground, she does have some strength that maybe is – uh, you just don't expect. Yeah, her skill set on the ground is far advanced to her striking based yeah. off of that fight. But huge win for Velasquez. Big shout out to her. Um, she could be a star for Bellator. I, I really like what I saw out of her. Mm-hmm. Maybe she could w- work on her takedown defense a little bit. But even then, I mean, she blocked a lot of takedowns yeah, too. So, yeah. um, And then her clinch was great too. So it's, um, yeah, she's definitely looking like a very polished fighter there, which is going to help that division mm-hmm. with having a sustained championship run, I would say. But yeah, that's Bellator 254. Bellator 254. I mean, also shout out to Romero Cotton. Uh, MMA on Point talked about yeah. him. He's a huge prospect for them. And, and he whooped ass. He whooped ass against <laughs> Justin Sumter, who was 7-4, uh, and four, I believe, or 7-3 and three going into this. Uh, Cotton being a uh, walk-on, I think, football player for... Uh, Big dude. Well yeah. spoken too. What I yeah. love his post fight press conference. I forget what uh, was awesome. I forget what school he went to, but um, a huge freak, and he, I like what they're doing with him too. Mm-hmm. He is a raw prospect. Yeah. So you keep bringing him along at a decent pace. The thing with Bellator, you know, it's kind of the flip of the UFC with these prospects. With the UFC, we always get worried that they push prospects too soon. Mm-hmm. Bellator like almost brings him along at a snail's pace. Yeah. I mean, look at guys like uh, Jake Hager, the uh, Jack Swagger from WWE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or um, MVP, even. That's MVP's a guy who, like, literally got one huge fight uh, against Lima, got knocked out in, like, a highlight real fashion, and ever since then he's been fighting guys who are well below his level. And you're wondering, at what point do you bring him back to – because he probably should be fighting guys that are – better than what he's fighting right yeah. now. Uh, Hager, you know, has a lot of work to do, but I'm just saying that, like, some of these, they seem to bring their prospects along at a much more reasonable They're but doing even, it very methodically. Yeah, but it's also maybe at times too slow of a pace. Yeah. They're, they're in a sense, picking the proper fights for the prospects, but at the same time, I don't know. It's they, pick, they, pick it, a, they pick very favorable matchups. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hager's yeah. debut was against a... A fighter who was uh, one and one professionally, who was like a forty-one year old, who was like a foot shorter than him. And then we saw even in his second fight that he just recently had, on paper you looked at him and you're like, oh, this is Hager's gonna easily can win this, gonna go two and zero in Bellator, and that was just a barn burner of a fight. He barely inched out that decision win, so. Uh, very to that extent, it almost looks like, oh, that is the right choice that they did it. Yeah, so it just it's, it's, it just depends. Yeah. I mean, I think they know what they're doing better than I know yeah. what they're doing. So I'll, I'll leave it to the professionals there. But, but that, Bellator, if you need any assistance. <laughs> but that was them. Bellator 254, um, a decent card on uh, CBS. So yeah, only four, four fights on there? It was Freeland, or the main card. Yeah, I, that's still kind of confu- – I'm still a little confused on 
what ha what was going on there. The way that the card was set up that I had on front of me online was not really how it was Happening. shown. Yeah, it was like an out of order from what I had. So I don't know what, what that might have just been me. But yeah, uh, only thing I will say about CBS, like having your you know a big card like that on national TV on a big broadcast like CBS. Too many commercials. There were a lot of commercials. There was, I mean, and again. How long did we wait before the main event? It was like 35 minutes. I think minutes. it was 35 minutes, which I'm not saying can't happen. I mean, UFC is no stranger to Fox cards and ESPN cards, but they never, I never felt the same. Like, for the most part, I've never felt that. Like, to me, it was like, oh my gosh. Like, they are stretching to make sure this card gets to like two hours. And I, well, I almost wonder if they did it that way because they didn't have that fifth fight, maybe. I don't know. I, but yeah, I just it just felt like it like it felt like I was sitting there like oh my gosh like checking my watch like come on and I'm not saying that's never happened with the UFC I'm just saying that I don't notice it near as much with them especially when you have those cards on ESPN and yeah, Fox. So, yeah. Um, we're gonna go ahead and move on though to recap results and recap for UFC 256 the final UFC pay per view of 2000. We broke down eight cards, or eight fights, excuse me, going in here. So that means we got eight fights to recap. Precisely. Mm -hmm. We start Gavin Tucker beating our boy Billy Quarantillo via unanimous decision. 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards. Uh, Gavin Tucker is legit. Oh, yeah, he, he put on an incredible performance, man. Um Shout out Billy, never given up, stayed strong throughout the whole fight, but Gavin Tucker just brought it. He was so strong, so aggressive, takedowns happening with ease. Billy really just had no answers. I mean, it was a great fight. Billy had his couple moments, but for the most part, man, it was all Gavin Tucker. Yeah, he, 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 I think that, um, I know he's only three years older, but 34 compared to 31, like, Tucker just seemed, despite, you know, he's only probably had about 15 professional fights but he just showed that like a veteran like there was a veteran quality to him in the mm -hmm. octagon and he he just had he seemed better everywhere quite frankly i mean billy yeah. q uh there was some moments in the striking that especially once he was losing the fight i felt like his striking got a lot sloppier as the fight got on i mean it was a, a lot of missing shots that led into them kind of clinching up a little bit. Yeah. Um, which you don't love to see. I still think Billy Q has a hell of a lot of potential, and uh, really this was more of a showcase for Tucker. It just showed how good he is right now. Um, do you think that with this kind of performance he gets into the top 15? Well, I know we were kind of talking on the preview that's like, well, we might see the winner of this regardless of who maybe get top 15. It was a great fight. I mean, I'd like to think Gavin Tucker could hold his own against a couple of these guys in the top 15. I would give <sighs> I think him versus Bryce Gosh. Mitchell could make sense. Yeah, that would be now, probably the one that so would make the most the sense. So, the thing is, um, it's harder to kind of do these now because the guys that stay active, it's harder once you get to that top 15, you, you usually will tend to become a little less active just for whatever reason because you, you, know, you want to there's less up. people in front of you yeah uh so really there's nowhere like you just have to wait for these when, guys when you don't come. have that number next to your name you just kind of like all you're, right you're able to we'll you're, fight you're willing i mean think about it if if let's say 
there's 100 fighters total in your division. You got a top 15. Well, there's technically 85 other yeah. guys outside there, so it's a lot easier to get matched up with one of them yeah. than it is to get matched up with the 10 people or five people in front of you. Exactly. So for Mitchell, you have to think he probably wants to move up. Yeah. But if he wants to stay active and maybe he doesn't find the right matchup ahead of him, then why not go up against Gavin Tucker? I think that'd be a great matchup. I think that could really show us maybe where Tucker is right now. Truly, is he, you know, because Mitchell's probably a top 10 talent. He's 14th right now, but, I mean, he's good. Oh, yeah, he's – especially I mean, after he's, the, we saw the improvements in his striking when he fought Andre Feely. Yeah. He's definitely top 10 material. So, if Tucker were to get a big win there, then – you know, you're looking at him like, wow, yeah. this guy's really that good. Yeah. And it, on the flip side, you look at Billy Q and you go, okay, Billy Q's really good. Oh, yeah. He just went up Got against the guy who's surging right now. Yeah, yeah. So I think a Bryce Mitchell matchup makes a lot of sense. More so for Tucker than for Mitchell, but I, I like it. I don't really see him getting like a Barboza at 15. Yeah. I think Barboza's thinking more big fights. And, um, and I think. I think we see uh, Billy Q in this top 15 regardless before too long anyways. Before He'll the be back. end of 2021, I would say. He, yeah. Especially because he's a guy, he's, he said it in uh, leading up to this fight, he wants to remain active. Yeah. yeah. And that's really what we're seeing, especially with this year, is that the UFC will reward you for staying active. Oh, yeah. Um, just regardless of if you even get that huge fight with that big ranking on the line. You know, you got guys like Kevin Holland, like Hamzat Chimaev, who end up ranked 15th just by staying, by being active, not by beating these guys with a lot of, I mean, Jacare, sure, but he had the 15 before mm-hmm. Jacare. You know what I mean? So, and I'm sure the paychecks are a little bit nicer, too. Yeah. And yeah. you're fighting more frequently, well, you know? Yeah, that's more money in your pocket. Uh, so then, well, I guess that's kind of all for that fight. We'll move on. To Rafael Fizayev mm. with the knockout yeah. over Hinato Moicano four minutes into the first round. Um, Any... What what a combination too to set that up. Oh, he went to the head, body, back on the head. Mm. Moicano was done. Yeah, that was that was disgusting. It, listen, if you're a fighter out there, if you're if you're going up against someone that wears some sort of headgear to the octagon, you're in trouble. I'm just going to put it that way. You might want to set this one out. Rafael is from Kyrgyzstan? I don't know. Same that, country I think that's how that Valentina Shevchenko is from, actually, fun fact. And similar to Habib, how he wears the perka. Yeah. Um, Rafael came out in, like, the cold winter gear, like, Russian-style yeah. hat. And uh, he just looked like he was ready to kill a bear. And essentially, <laughs> yes. that's what he did, except it was Sanato Moicano uh, that got destroyed. Uh, this wasn't a great one-round fight, by the way. Moicano looked very comfortable on the feet for being, you know, a jiu-jitsu guy, quote-unquote. He looked comfortable, but I think it was ultimately his undoing. Oh, yeah. Because here's the thing. I, I said, sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but I, I mentioned on Friday that I really didn't know what my opinion was on Moicano's striking. I think I, ha- I think I figured out my thoughts. Offensively, he can hold his own. His striking defense is where he falls into problems because he can he'll land good shots. He landed good shots on yeah. uh, uh, Fizayev, but the problem was is that he left himself open for a counter or for a combo, and 
he does not he is not good enough at striking offensively to where against a lot of these guys when you're getting to the top of the division or even like a guy like this who just got that pedigree with striking where he's going to be able to finish him with his striking right away like yeah. the one punch while Fazaya proved that he has the technical prowess to unleash a just nasty combination to just put his lights out and yeah. that was the difference here oh that was such a beautifully timed combo and that one shot just boom yeah and at first we thought we might have had some controversy yeah. with the ref stopping because he just jumped right in and it didn't look like Moicano was done it looked like he went to wrap into the full guard yeah. so you kind of go oh man like, yeah why'd you do that but then you see him Moicano try to stand up, up and, and he couldn't yeah. stand up it was good. So stop. it was actually probably one of the best stoppages you'll see because it even it didn't even look like much. Oh, Fiziev, Fiziev, was gonna pounce on him, dude, and yeah. start pounding. So yeah. yeah, shout out to the ref. That uh, was a good. What stoppage. a performance for Fiziev. Oh, He's man. quickly rising here. Oh yeah. Uh, you have that performance against Jacasey where he was doing the Matrix stuff, and then you have a combination like that when you're putting on that kind of highlight reel stuff that can get you know. Social media can play a big factor in this when you see a clip like that kind of blow up on Twitter or something. Because yeah. those are things people notice. The Matrix defense, like being able to dodge the kick by just yeah. leaning back. And then you see that combination on Twitter. That's the kind of stuff that's going to get noticed. And he's going to really kind of build a reputation for himself for that striking. And um, he looked great. And oh, yeah, Moicano, yeah. It, it's tough. Uh, he still, like offensively speaking... He did look comfortable. He never did ever shoot one time for a takedown. No. And I think that's ultimately the problem here was yeah. that you know kind of where your bread and butter is. And I know, you know, it's easier said than done. Yeah. Fight starts on the feet. You got to get it there. And who knows? We still really haven't seen Fazaya be tested as far as his takedown defense or his really being on the ground, being on his back, anything like that. You got to think Moicano has the advantage there. Yeah. But he was just willing to stand there and trade, and that was his undoing, in my opinion. Yeah. And be on the lookout for Rafael Fazaya because yeah. that dude is a savage. Yeah. Uh, we would you think top fifteen for him? I Only don't know. if Drew Dober was available. Unfortunately, he's not at this I moment. Mean, but golly, I, him and Dober would be fun. I actually was thinking him and uh, Gregor Gillespie. Yeah. We haven't seen Gregor in a year now. Did he retire? Is that a thing? No, that was uh, okay. Twitter. That was a guy making a – he just – basically, he hasn't fought in a year. He hasn't really been rumored in any matchups. Uh, but on his Instagram, he isn't, like, working. and, and uh, he's, he's training. But if Rafael doesn't get fit, top 15 next, it's only one more. Especially if he knocks somebody's head off again. Dude, he's only this 20. guy is for real. He's only 27, too. Short, stocky, built like a freaking beast. Like it's so funny. He Chris lost. technical strikes. He lost his debut in the UFC. Who was that with? Magomed Musta- Mustafayev. How do you lose? Uh, via TKO spitting back kick and punches. Wow. That was on the Overeem Olenek card back in April 2019. Those spinning back kicks will get you, huh? Yeah, since then he's won three straight uh, unanimous decisions over Alex White, Mark Jacasey, and then the KO with Moicano. Um, I do, he probably gets one more, and then you're yeah. talking top 15. Uh, Moicano's a great step in that direction, though. 
I like and you. he I, got the bonus last night too. Yes, he did. Yeah. So he's making some good money there. Only 27. He's still young, man. He's still got a lot of improving and growing to do. And I'd like to see him get matched up with the wrestler. That's why I said Gillespie. Uh, maybe that's a little bit too much too soon because Gillespie is a dog. Yeah. People forget. But get him that kind of wrestler matchup. Someone who will be wanting to shoot and take him to the ground. Mm-hmm. See how he responds. And if he passes that test, then you go top 15. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our prelim headliner. My goodness gracious. What a fight this was. It's so hard. Like, it feels like it happened a year ago. This, yeah. With everything that happened on this card, it's like every fight was great or had a huge takeaway from this it. This fight was awesome. You got Cub Swanson turning back the clock. With Off the, of a torn ACL, no, too. I didn't even know that going in. But he knocks out Daniel Pineda. A minute, 52 seconds into the second round. One shot. What was your takeaways here? Okay. Round one was pure insanity. Yeah. Pineda was definitely winning, in my opinion, that round, even though it was really good, and they both had their moments. But then Cub dropped him late, and that ended up stealing the round, in my opinion. Nearly finished him, if there were a few seconds left. He didn't quite pounce how he would have thought he was going to, but I think that was calculated by him and it played out obviously in round two minute 52 seconds in cub lands this beautiful combination and as daniel begins to back away from the fence and away from cub cub lands one more huge shot perfect right hand boom just collapse on the canvas it what a beautiful knockout cub swanson the wily veteran i'm so sorry for picking against you but he looked incredible he looked so good last night. Weathered the early storm and then just picked Daniel apart the rest of the fight. It was great. And I'm just going to say it because I said this last night. Cub Swanson, number 15, Edson Barboza. That's mine. Yeah. Sign me up for that one all day. Two veterans, similar points in their careers. Neither one going to really ever get a chance at a title shot again unless they go on some insane-ass run. But for fans, oh. Barboza Swanson. Who would have ever thought we'd even get to see a fight yeah. like that? So that that would be really fun as a fan. Yeah, it's and so, stylistic. It's, cra- it's so crazy even think of that matchup. Yeah. You know Barboza's the much bigger guy. Yeah. And the where this fight looked like it was going to get dicey for Cub was uh, Pineda's leg kicks yeah. um, had took an effect very quickly oh, and yeah. very early. And very props to Cub for being like, I got to get this guy out of here. Because Pineda did look like he was going to basically walk Swanson down, land those power shots, and put him away. Pineda, by the way, the person that has 27 wins all by finish. Yeah. So Just to put it a guy who will literally refuses to go to a yeah. decision. Yeah. Um, so you, that's the way it looked like it was going uh, midway through round one. The moment Cub hurt Pineda, it was over. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got to that second round, but He'd never had Pineda time to shake off the cobwebs. Look, he did not look... Yeah. Like he his was hands there. were down the whole second round. Just well, his his hands were down the whole fight, and I I think I even touched on that when we were watching it. I was like, uh, Pineda's landing, but I'm like, he's leaving himself open for some shots here, and and, and long and behold, that's where that cup got an opening and landed some killer shots, and Pineda just basically kind of folded, and yeah. uh, he gets that second round, but he just didn't look right. Maybe he was trying to be more patient, but. Cub smelled, he was a shark, he smelled Oh, blood. yeah. 
So he, he basically pounced on Pineda, brought that pressure, and was able to finish him. Knocked him out. Beautiful KO. Not a TKO. A it, KO. It, it was a worthy bonus, in my opinion, but I'm sure Cub gets paid decent anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, that shout-out Cub Swanson, man. Yeah. 36, 37 years old. You know, One year to the date of his torn ACL, and then knocks Daniel's ass out. Out. It's one of my favorite fighters, and this is a performance that I think once Cub's career is done, this is going to be one of those like, even though it might not have been the biggest fight of his career, it was in a lot. Some ways, it maybe one it was great. Moments. Maybe it was one of it because post fight he talked about how in this week he he had a lot of self doubt. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of those thoughts creeping in, and he kept thinking of his kids. He saw him getting choked up, saying he's like I'm their superhero and stuff like that. Oh man, it was like. Just really warms your heart, and this is one of the many reasons we love this yeah. sport for things like that. And uh, shout out to him uh, for Pineda. Uh, he did show the—I mean, he showed the power. He showed that ability to strike. But again, it's kind of what I've said about Moicano in the last fight, where yeah, he was landing well, but he was always open for the counter right. or for just a shot in return, and. Um, that ended up being his undoing. It just, you know, you with a guy like Cub, you can't, you have to have some um, respect for his ability, no matter how old he is. Right. And I think Pineda, I don't want to say he just didn't respect Cub, but I think maybe he thought his shit was just too good to be dropped the way he was. But he already had 13 losses coming in. You know, I just feel like uh, with a veteran like Pineda, you, you, at this point, you might be a little bit smarter when it comes to your stand-up. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing that you can be finished, and you're going up against a killer in Cub Swanson, no matter how old he is, no matter what he's coming off of. Um, definitely good leg kicks, though. I, I think that was good for him, and those were definitely hurting. And that would be for a potential Cub and Barboza matchup. Barboza has some of the best leg kicks you're going to see. Yep. Um, so that's. A bit worrisome for Cub Swanson if that matchup does happen. Right, right. Um, but yeah, great fight. Shout out great Cub way, Swanson. Great man. way to cap off. Yeah, that was prelims. the prelim headliner. So yeah. if you if you didn't even get the pay per view, you could have saw those on ESPN two. Mm-hmm. So like, great to see those fights on there, and for uh, people who maybe aren't even fans of the sport to be able to uh, watch those and potentially be like, wow, this. Crazy, like we need to watch this more. And stuff yeah, and like I mean, that. even fights we didn't mention. Tisha Torres got a huge stoppage victory, the first fight of the prelims, and then yeah. the first first fight of the prelim prelims. Chase Hooper, after getting dominated for three rounds, did an Armani roll right into a heel hook, and about ripped an ankle off of his opponent. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. But we didn't break those down, but just shout out to the, it was big names though yeah. literally from top to bottom yeah, i mean chase hooper probably is he still the youngest guy in the ufc he's 21 he yeah, i mean he was the youngest fighter on the roster i don't know if he still is and the but. fact that they had a guy like that on the prelim prelims the early prelims that's how stacked this card was yeah so we moved to our main, main card, card yes and we started with surreal gane oh boy a tko with an elbow win over junior dos santos Two minutes, 34 seconds into the second round. We'll get to Gane's performance, but I think we need to start on a somber note. That's four straight for JDS. Four straight losses, four straight by finish. I know the three before this were three of the best fighters in the division, but now Gane, 
who is a huge prospect. After last night, four of the best guys <laughs> in the division. But where does Junior go from here? Um, retirement. Nothing else to prove. This is another guy. These big names that we've been seeing for de- a decade at this point, it's their time to yep. ride off into the sunset. JDS, one of the best heavyweight champs of all time and one of the best trilogies ever. Been in there with everyone in the UFC heavyweight division. A true legend. But uh, four straight KO, TKOs. I know it's all against top guys, but at this point in your career, if you're JDS, you probably are thinking title shot is not looking very good right now. No. Is it worth even fighting another guy, like a young up-and-comer again? Like, what's the positive in this for me? Yeah. Nothing left to prove. I, I'm... I mean, Dana, Fine with him Dana even said that he thinks that that should be it for JDS, and it's a tough way to go out. He had his moments. You know, he, he landed some decent shots, but the big thing here, JDS has that, that boxer uh, style. Um, for Gane, he kept this shit at a kickboxing range, and he just unloaded with kicks the entire fight. His striking is so high level. I mean, he looked great. Yes, he did. And he did it all with leg kicks, basically, until the finishing sequence. And, I mean, those leg kicks were hurting. Yeah, his kicks to the body. I mean, even throwing a couple head kicks. He, dude. I was so impressed. For a guy who, in the UFC, we've only seen him submit guys. Which, again, is a very unique trait for a heavyweight. You you don't see a ton of heavyweights that would be submitting people like that. And for his striking to hold up the way it is, I'm all in on this guy. I think Surreal Gane is a, a future champion. I'm going to go ahead and throw that out into the atmosphere. He was... Um, woo. Now, there was some controversy in the finish here because you see he hurts JDS. Hurts him pretty bad. JDS is up against the cage. Gane loads up with a vicious elbow. Oh, yeah. And it lands, like, behind the ear. Um, yeah, like... So... There was a lot of uh, controversy as far as, was it to the back of the head? JDS, obviously very upset, saying that it was. Um, Gane, you could tell, was a little disappointed maybe that that's kind of where it was. He could Mm -hmm. tell he didn't really know what to say or what to think. I mean, very respectful guy. He even goes, oh, it might have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I don't think I could take away from his performance. I think that it JDS would have got finished regardless. It was a clean shot, in my opinion. It was very yeah, close. Yeah, I thought it was clean. And Before that, JDS got hit with a jab. Yeah. A jab. <laughs> and damn near fell over. Like, yeah. backed all the way up to the cage, and that's when Gane went in for the finish. So, even if he didn't land an elbow, he would have went in and pounded him somehow, some way. It was going to end. It didn't matter how he did it. But the fact that he did it with that over elbow, ooh, yeah. It was nasty. And for Gane, this is going to move him up to likely about number seven because that's where JDS was going in here. As far as what's next, I'm throwing this fight out into the atmosphere now. I changed my mind from last night. You did? Yeah. Go ahead, though. Okay. Because I think I know what you're saying. So, there is... The only thing that gets in the way of this is... my my What I think should be next for Surreal Gane is Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades is currently, they look like they're trying to rebook him and Derek Lewis. And I get it, that's a big fight at heavyweight. But 
ultimately, I'm looking stylistically here. I think Gane gives Blades more problems than Derek Lewis does. I really believe that right now. Derek Lewis could surely finish that fight with a one punch. I mean, that's really his key to victory there, his ability to that power shot. Mm-hmm. But Blades' wrestling is so overpowering, and you've seen Derek Lewis be dominated on the ground before. Gane has an ability to finish his fight on the ground, and he is able to keep the fight at such a good range yeah, yeah. that you have that for Blades, he doesn't have the striking of a Gane, but you know he's going to have the advantage if he does get that top position. It's just, can he get it there? Right. So I love that matchup. I think that's a great step for Gane. I, I mean, I know Curse Blades is the number two heavyweight in the division. Number two. And, like, maybe he shouldn't take that fight, whatever, but he's not getting a title shot anytime soon. Stipe has, is not, has not been booked with likely Ngannou. And even if Ngannou wins that fight and maybe he starts being more he's active, are you really going to fight Curtis Blades a third time after you finished him twice? I mean, maybe, but... Especially if there's a guy like John Jones you can fight instead. Yeah, and I don't know. It's I nice think for the bank account. It's hard. It's hard to really. Uh, Gane is a fresh guy. He hasn't fought like any of these guys at the top. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so you could really put him up against anybody. I mean, anybody from him. You could put him up against Volkov, against Overeem, against Lewis, against uh, Rosenstrike. That's mine. Rosenstrike? I would do Rosenstrike. His most recent wins JDS, TKO. Gane just on Saturday night, TKO JDS. Gane's going to probably go to number seven. I would imagine they put him right at seven, yeah. to be honest. Maybe even, I mean, maybe a little lower, but I think he goes straight to seven. Yeah. He deserves it. And seven versus three makes sense. Literally, both have just fought the same guy in their last wins. Neither took damage, really. That That's what I would do. But, yeah, like you said, we don't get these big prospects like this in the heavyweight division often. So we need to really appreciate Gane and what we have here with this guy. And we have a ton of fresh fights here that we could be churning out with him. Mm-hmm. And this dude is next-level striking. Like, so technical. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. But still doesn't, like, point strike you. He no. still will Power. capitalize and finish you. Yeah, he looks for the finish. Six of his seven are by finish. Yeah. So, yeah. The sky's the limit. Uh, th- this dude looked like a future champ to me last night. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I know JDS is on the decline, but he looked good. He's still JDS. Yeah, exactly. Are you uh, ready to get into this next one? Where are we at? Oh. <laughs> Kevin Holland. Really trying to make that case for fighter of the year here. He gets a knockout off his back. He was just chilling. Against Jacare Souza. A minute 45 seconds into the first round. I'm going to start with Jacare here. Much similar to our last fight, what's next for Jacare Souza? Retirement. Hmm. That sucks. Here's but... my here's my thing with Jacare. <clears throat> There's no doubt in my mind that uh, Jacare has more left than JDS does. Right. I fully believe that. I don't believe he's washed. Um, do I think he's necessarily going to be fighting for a belt? No. No. But he's still, uh, honestly, like, Maybe I'm, maybe I'm. I believe in him too much after a performance like that. Uh, I still think he's a top fifteen middleweight. I think he's even a, maybe a top ten middleweight. I mean, he's still damn good. He went to a decision with Jan Blahovich at light heavyweight, mm-hmm. nearly won that fight, as boring as it was. So, 
I just want to say that Jacare is not by any means washed, but you also haven't seen him be finished like that. I don't ever. know what the hell he was doing last night, but Kevin Holland was talking that shit. Actually, that was so funny. Well, they were like it looked like it was in good fun to each like, other. It didn't look like it was like malicious. Yeah. Just... Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden. Kevin Holland knocks his ass out cold. Yeah, I mean, how do you really describe this? Kevin Holland's um, explosiveness. Kevin Holland was on his back, left arm just kind of resting on the canvas. You know how you just kind of chill up on yeah. something sometimes? And he just cocks back his right hand. Jacare's just sitting there. I don't know. Jacare was just sitting there on his knees. Hands were down. Kevin Holland brings the right hand over. Boom! Lands flush. Jacare kind of slumps back and Kevin's like oh shit wait a second I might have just done something yeah hits him again hits him again Jacare's like on his knees and he just keeps going further and further down to the canvas then Kevin just gets up and starts pounding him Jacare was out cold it was one of the weirdest knockouts I've ever seen but one of the coolest ones I've well, ever seen well what you saw was uh, Jacare was able to get the uh, takedown pretty much immediately cause uh, he caught like a head kick or something and they just went straight to the ground but you saw immediately Holland being very Kevin looked so good off his back. Off his back, he I think he put up a a, um, a head triangle. I think yeah, triangle choke, and, scare. And he was his throwing, elbows were nasty. Throwing elbows at the head. Yeah, that's why you saw Jacare. Why that where they had that standstill position. That's why Jacare not wanting to give up that top position. Yeah, that's what I started like, talking. But also like fuck those elbows. Yeah. So that's where he's like in the standstill there. But then, then Kevin Holland's was like, expl- I'll come to you. But then Holland's explosiveness to be like, just rear back of was... right hand. Jacare never saw it coming because why would you? I, I didn't know what I witnessed. The only person we've ever seen finish a fight like that really is Nico Price. Yeah. And he did it against Randy Brown. Yeah. Kevin Holland just did it against Jacare Souza. Yeah. Like a world jiu-jitsu champion, black belt, and at all levels. Yeah. Kevin Hahn, by the way, is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Travis Luter, former Ultimate Fighter champion. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. We didn't know that until last night. But Kevin really did look so comfortable on the ground, and we know how good he is striking-wise. Man. And then he has the nerve to get on the mic after and say, Hey, I'm feeling fresh. I've already fought five times in seven months. Hamza, where you at? He's like, what you doing next week? I'll see you next week. I said, <laughs> um, now I'm all for that. It would be incredible, but it won't happen. No. Um, so I've, I think we've seen it all out of Kevin Holland for 2020. <laughs> 5-0. Did it in seven months, by the way. His first fight of 2020 wasn't until May. That's mind-blowing stuff. Really has a strong case for fighter of the year with one other gentleman that we're going to talk about later. Kevin Holland, you're an animal. Everybody loves you, and... Edmund Shabazian. Yeah, Edmund Shabazian. Yeah. Sure, could you put him up against Ian Heinish, Brad Tavares, even though he's booked right now, Mario Madoff, yes, but I don't know if those guys have a chance. Yeah, and Chris Weidman don't want no piece of Kevin Holland. <laughs> Edmund Shabazian, yeah. coming off a loss, but still a very high-level prospect. Mm. Woo! That's a fun-ass yeah. fight. I mean, Shabazian might need some more polishment. <laughs> I don't know. He's... He's one of the best guys when you go for those guys that are under the age of 25. He was like number two or three on that list ESPN put out. But, I mean, 
to me, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Shabazian's ranked 11th. I mean, he just fought Derek Brunson, got dominated, so he <clears> needs <throat> a step back, but still a big name. Hello. Yeah, I don't Kevin know if Holland. Colin. I don't even know if Holland's truly a step back at this point. I mean, I'm really. Buying, I guess in rankings. Yes, wise. I, I'm buying in completely to Kevin Holland. I think this guy. Uh, once again, I mean, we're, I'm saying a lot of similar things to what I've said about a few guys tonight, but that was kind of the takeaway here is Holland. I said that I thought it was smart that, or I thought it worked out that he was up against Jock Ray. Vittori got her Manson. Yep. You saw Vittori deliver. He beat Hermanson. Yep. Then you see Holland against a step back compared to Hermanson and Jacare, but he passed that test in flying colors. Um, I'm not so sure that uh, Holland wouldn't have finished Jack Hermanson. Yeah, I'd like to see both of the original fights happen. Just to, yeah. you know, just say, hey, what, what, what yeah, happened? Yeah, it would have been interesting. Because we would have had Holland, Jack, and Vittori, um Souza. But regardless, like you said, worked out great for both those guys, Holland and Victoria. He is so and, well-spoken. And, yes. A very big, bold personality, but very humbled and well-spoken. Because yeah, even though his nickname is uh, Trailblazer, his unofficial nickname is Big Mouth. Dana, not a huge fan of him at first when he came into the Contender Series because he just wouldn't stop talking. He said, wins his fight. Dana says, I ain't giving you a contract because you're annoying as shit. And then... Uh, Tiago Santos needed a fight for UFC 227. So they were trying to hit up a lot of these contender guys who see who would step in. The none of them, contender series none of, guys. None of them would. So then he goes, you know what? Call, call Big Mouth. Call Big Mouth. I want to see if Big Mouth takes this fight. And he, he goes did. three rounds with Santos. And he does. And had his moments in yeah. the fight. I mean, he, he got beat up. But, again, stepping in on like two weeks notice or whatever. Uh, and then... Dana has completely changed his tune on oh, yeah. Holland. He said, couldn't have happened to a better guy. Yep. Um, I think he Holland, said He said Holland has made a shit ton of money this year. Yes, he has. <laughs> and I think for Holland, I mean, the, his ability to talk, he was talking about he's a company guy, uh, that he'll do anything to sell a fight, things like that. Uh, that Those are traits that are going to be very marketable. Mm-hmm. And when he's able to finish fights the way he did, when he's able to stay active the way he has... Uh, there is no reason that this guy will not potentially be fighting for that middleweight belt. I want to see him point. in Vittori now, down the road. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't even mind uh, Holland. I mean, maybe Kevin Holland, Uriah Hall. That's yeah. an interesting matchup. Um, I don't know where I want to see him tested, honestly. I mean, I feel like he's... If we're talking very next fight, next up, I'm going Edmund. Yeah, I, I love that. Early 2021. Edmund's yeah. been out a little while now, so that's... Kevin Holland literally might be fighter of the year. Yeah. Unbelievable. And for Jock Ray, I do just want to say, I think Dana also mentioned, because uh, Jock Ray and JDS kind of got a group together, which yeah. I don't necessarily think is warranted. I think if you do it person by person, I think Jock Ray still has more left. But I get it. He's 41. He probably is like on the chopping block, truly. But um, especially now, uh, I definitely think Jock Ray has more in the tank than I think Holland is just that damn good. Oh yeah, and he just got caught. I mean, who would have thought that a knockout off the back like that? I mean, with, was... with Holland showing his comfortableness on his back last night, it's a very interesting fighter we've got. So here. explosive and fast, yeah. like that was. He's Jacare, not worried one bit about a, being on a, the ground. It was a deer in headlights moment yeah. for Jock Ray, just like Jock Ray got that takedown and probably thought, "All right, that was easy." Kevin Holland said, nah, I kind of like it down here. 
So we go into our women's strawweight fight. Hey. This was fight of the night until the main event. It was of the a good evening. fight. It was a good fight. You had Mackenzie Dern getting a unanimous decision win over Virna Jandadoba. Apparently that R is a makes a D sound. Who would have thought? Apparently. Uh, so it was 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. A super razor-thin close fight here. Um, and despite we didn't know what to think about it, it, it ended up being, how you being pretty said. much a stand-up affair. Yep. And um, going in, I thought Virna had shown more in her ability to strike than McKenzie, but that was not the story here. Uh, McKenzie looked a lot better on the feet than she ever has. Yep. It was the most we've ever seen her on her feet. Her, the evolution of her striking is getting better and better by each fight. And last night was the perfect show. By no means was this a um, was this a clean striking affair. It was sloppy. I mean, these women are jujitsu specialists, and you saw them trying to stand and bang with each other. And um, it was a really fun fight. Uh, I don't think either of these women are like I don't think either of these women are going to be hanging on the feet with some of the better strikers of this division. Not if they stay how they were last night. No. Yeah, but. Uh, McKenzie definitely showed showed a lot. She showed uh, she was loading up a little bit. Uh, she showed some power in her shots. Don't know if that's going to be good for her going forward to keep loading up like that. Uh, yeah, I mean that was kind of my takeaway here. What was your uh, what did you think of this fight? It was fun. It was such a good fight. So competitive. They're both so high level jujitsu. They wanted no part of each other on the ground. How, however. McKenzie was welcoming Verna to the ground, and Verna didn't want no part of that. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, that. I was a little surprised by that. So I think we know who may have the edge in the jiu-jitsu, but Verna's still very tough. Again, she was 16-1 going into last night. For Dern, this was a huge win for her. And uh, really, yeah, just the evolution we've seen of her striking. Again, still with some sloppiness here and there, but very sharp, crisp left jabs. Um, worked in good body work. Did load up on the right hooks quite often, but other than that, she's definitely improved every fight. And really, we just never get to see Dern on the feet because she gets it to the ground so easy yeah. anyway. So she at least now has the skills to, I guess in her sake, feel more comfortable with other people. But she knows she inevitably wants the fight to go to the ground no matter who she fights. Um, in terms of like what would be next for Verna, I would go Angela Hill. Angela Hill was originally scheduled to fight uh, Tisha Torres last night actually on the prelims contracted COVID was had to pull out of that fight but Hill is still so deserving of fighting top 15 and I think I even called for this when Angela lost to uh, Michelle, Michelle Watterson anyways Angela's 12 Verna's number 13 there's no reason that Verna should get moved back in the rankings because Dern was ahead of her anyway I think it's a really big test for Angela Hill to see if she can keep the fight standing and for Verna if she tries to stand with Angela Hill, it's going to be a different ball game than it was with Mackenzie Dern. Mm -hmm. Angela Hill's striking is not like significantly better than Dern's, but it's definitely more crisp and more technical. Yeah. For Dern, Michelle Watterson. That's the fight to do. Rebus was originally supposed to fight Michelle at 257 on the Connor Poirier card. Michelle got injured or something. I don't really know what happened because she was in that dance video with Carlissa Shields, John Jones, and Holly Holm on Saturday night. It was kind of a cool thing. I don't know. Anyway, she's injured. I don't know what happened. So now Amanda's fighting Marina Rodriguez. That's number nine versus number eight. Dern's 11. Michelle's number seven. That's the fight to make. You want to test Michelle or test McKenzie on her feet? 
that's a test. Yeah. Because the karate hottie doesn't fuck around when she's on the feet. And Michelle is very underrated on the ground. So if it goes to the ground, Mackenzie still has the advantage, but could be a little more competitive than I think people would give Michelle credit for. Yeah. That is the fight for me. It's a big test for her there. Yes. Um, I also wouldn't mind for Virna. Maybe you saw Tisha Torres fight last yeah. night and she looked good. Maybe you put her up against number 10 Tisha Torres. Um, but yeah, I do kind of like that Angela Hill matchup. Um, for Dern, I wouldn't even mind seeing her against Tisha Torres. I think either of those women could go up against Tisha and it makes sense. Because um, ultimately, as of now, I still think Amanda Rivas is a better fighter than Mackenzie Dern at this moment. So, sure, I, I the rankings could even out over time, and you do end up, if Amanda beats Marina and Dern did beat Watterson, I don't think Dern would just jump no. Amanda. But I'm just putting that out there. It's like, I don't know, is Michelle maybe too much too soon? I don't think so. I think you can do that. Not really. Yeah, not anymore. It would make sense now for Dern. Yeah, but it would be a tough. It would be definitely. Oh, that's a, a great test yeah, for both. Shouldn't be a cakewalk by because Michelle's still trying to prove she's good enough to get the back to that title, and for Dern, obviously biggest ranking, biggest name, and a huge test on the feet. But again, like I said, Michelle's very underrated on the ground, so it could be a really fun fight mm-hmm. in all aspects. All right, this co-main event. So, Utter domination. So let's just say this wasn't fight of the night. <laughs> But was this the performance? This was of the performance night? of the night. Maybe I mean you might. Uh, he didn't get a bonus, but no. This was he. This was one of the best performances of the year. Yeah, he Charles Oliveira dominated Tony Ferguson, thirty twenty six on all three judges scorecards. Um, I'll let you start here with uh, your analysis of the fight. I mean, don't go to the ground, Charles Oliveira. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> the thing is. You can say you don't want to go there. You can say you can say I am not going to the ground with you. And he goes bet, and then yeah. he body slams you. He, he, he broke Tony Ferguson's arm. Well, I don't know if that's actually true, no, but he basically snapped it in half at the end of the first round. Tony didn't tap, by the way. Tony Ferguson is made of pure iron steel. It was an I'm arm, convinced. It was an arm bar. Yeah. I didn't, Did I say no, something I don't think else? So, okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh god, did I call it I just, I just, choke? I, just for context, for anybody who didn't watch. Yeah, um, Tony's arm bent in a direction it's not supposed to. <laughs> and uh, he didn't tap, somehow. But it was fucked the rest of the fight. And Oliveira just dominated. Dominated every aspect of the fight. I think he had about 12 minutes of ground control time. Was active the entire time. His transitioning and control... He was in the mount for like probably eight out of the 12 minutes that he was on the ground. Tony could not get up. He could not do anything. Charles was all over him. And the three minutes that it was on the feet, Charles was winning the fight on the feet. This dude is a problem. And I'm so happy for him. It sucks for Tony. But I'm so happy for Oliveira because he deserved this for so long now. This is now eight in a row in the lightweight division. Seven of them by finish, and then a dominant decision win over Ferguson. This man is trouble for anyone in this top five. And uh, he showed it even more last night. Utter dominance. Um, I can't wait to see what they do with him. He's in a very awkward position. That's kind of the troublesome part here, so I really can't even matchmake for the guy, to be honest with you. 
he's just in a really weird spot, and I think he's going to have to kind of sit and wait for a little bit. So let me ask you this then, if if, if you know, because I, I agree with you, he is in a very. I, it's not just him. It's not like he's the only one in an awkward spot. This whole damn division. Is I mean, until Dana meets with Khabib, and we kind of get some direction. Yeah. On. Are we going to be crowning a new champion? Is Habib still? Because as of now, you can't do an interim belt yet, unless Habib is actually like retired. Then you got an undisputed belt up for grabs. But um, Habib just defended in October, so it's not like you do an interim belt mm-hmm. next month. My question for you: um, This is the third time I'm going to ask you this about a fighter, but it's not because I think that oh. they're in the same place. What's next for Tony Ferguson? I would do. Uh... I would do one more try. One more try. RDA. Okay. He's I believe that fight's already happened, hasn't it? It is. That would be a rematch. And Tony Years I'm in pretty the sure making. Tony dominated him the first time. Um that would have been after RDA or no, that would have been before RDA got the title. No, it was after. Was it after? It was this it was I think it was RDA's first fight after losing the Or yeah, numbers. Habib beat RDA before RDA was the title. Yeah. Or the champion. Yeah, I would do RDA. Um, RDA has just entered himself back in to the lightweight division. Um, I'm still shocked they ranked him at sixth. I don't hate it necessarily, but it was just a shock to me. But he beat Paul Felder. Looked incredible, by the way, although Paul Felder took the fight on a week's notice. Anyway, RDA is now ranked sixth. Tony's number three. This is a rematch years in the making. Both kind of... In similar career trajectories, even though RDA's coming off of a win here, RDA's still past his prime, but still good enough. Tony is now, I think it's safe to say he's past his prime, but still dangerous, still good enough. I think that's a fight that makes a lot of sense. I was going to say Hooker, but ooh, after the damage I saw Tony take from Gaethje, and I know how good Hooker is on the feet, I... Mm, I'm not saying Tony can't beat Dan Hooker, but I think it really makes a lot of sense. Ferguson, RDA. And that's for RDA, if he can come in, beat Felder, then beat Tony, it's like, oh, he's back. He's still got he's still got um, one more push in him. Yeah. So I'll start by talking about Charles Oliveira here. Uh, this was the opportunity I wanted for Oliveira. I thought it was the opportunity he had earned based on his run of performances here. Like you said, he had finished seven in a row up until this fight, I believe. Um, dude was on a, I mean, the way he beat Kevin Lee was so impressive. On the feet, on the ground, everywhere the fight went. Um, he was dominant. And when you dominate the number three guy in the division, ranking-wise, and the champion is looking I'm sticking by, I think, Khabib's retired. So then you got Poirier Gaethje in front of him. In my eyes, I mean, I think his guys should be fighting for a belt next. I now, I think he should. It's just will he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me start my matchmaking here by the the loser. I'm gonna start with Tony Ferguson. So he's gonna drop a couple spots. You would think he'll probably drop to. I mean, because <clears throat> here's how I foresee these rankings turning out. I think they're going to put Connor at three, and then Oliveira will go to four. Oh my god! That's what I think is going to happen because you got to make sure you know you got Connor going up against Poirier, so two versus three. That's what I think is going to happen. I'm not saying it will. That's just what I think right now. So that means you're going to drop Tony probably to five or even six, depending. Um, I 
don't necessarily know if I need to see the RDA fight again. I mean, it could be a completely different fight this time around because RDA looked great against Paul Felder. But I actually think uh, maybe the Dan Hooker fight makes sense, but even, uh, and you never know, but the loser of McGregor, Poirier. Ultimately, Tony is still a top five guy. Even Tony versus Paul would be fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I have him versus Paul Felder is a good fight. It's kind of what what does Tony want to do? Does Tony just, you know, he obviously should take a little bit of time here, but does he want to keep going for these guys in the top five and risk dropping a third straight? And not that be a guy like Paul Felder is a for sure win, but it's a step back compared to. I mean, really, this top five is all champions in some way. <laughs> like, all these guys could reasonably be a champion. So that's why I don't think he's done. I think Oliveira's just that good right now. And the guy who's hitting his prime at 31 years old. This dude can beat any one of these top five. I actually might even go as far to say I think he would beat anybody in this division. His, I'm not saying, like, he's a better striker than, like, Poirier or Connor, but he is confident enough and still he was just very he looked like a boxer I mean his the stance fight, and his I don't know if we sharp saw shots as far as when the fight was on the feet I didn't I mean I, there wasn't a ton to take away there and then um I mean a guy that's a submission specialist two of his last three finishes were via KOTKO dominated Kevin Lee everywhere he just looks this so strong. dude yeah, he's just on and that on the ground this dude is levels above yeah. Anyone in this top five. This is excluding Habib. Yeah, true. And, yeah, so I think, Tony, you could do Dan Hooker. You can do RDA. You can do Paul Felder. Actually, Paul Felder probably makes the most sense out of those three. Cool. Yeah. Um, It'd be a hell of a fight. Or you do the loser of Poirier, McGregor. I don't know if you want to do that. For Oliveira, I'm, call, I'm calling it. If I'm doing what I... He if needs this, a title fight. To me, he should be fighting the winner. Yep. Well, Connor uh, it's so tough because really the winner of Gaethje Chandler, if that fight ends up co-mating that card, probably also deserves to be fighting for a Well, title. that's the problem here. So Dana said he's meeting with Habib next month on Fight Island when they're all there for the Connor Poirier mm-hmm. fight. So let's let's just say right now, let's just say Habib's done. Let's let's say that. Okay. Connor Dustin is for sure like happening. It looks like Gaethje Chandler is going to happen. They just haven't announced it yet. Right. And it's probably going to be the co-main of Connor Dustin, which uh, we've been calling for that anyway. It's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Take my money. Um, so you really are thinking, okay, Connor Dustin winner versus Gaethje Chandler winner. There's your undisputed title shot. Yeah. And then it's like Charles Oliveira sitting in the background, like, hello, hi. So that's why he's in such a hard spot right now, even though this motherfucker's on an eight-fight win streak and just did that to Tony Ferguson. That's why I think... I feel bad for him. I think him and Dan Hooker makes a lot of sense. If you're not getting the title next, that's the fight you book. I mean, the rest of the guys in front of him would be taken. Because I think... He would have to fight a loser of one of those two fights, if not Hooker. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, He could potentially even be fighting... the thing is is like him and Chandler would be a badass fight he's such a Swiss army knife like he does everything and 
He's so dangerous for anybody, but yet he doesn't quite have that name value to where of really like he's definitely the least known name besides maybe Dan Hooker of that top five now. Last last night helped a lot. Oh, it did. But, but yes, he's well, still. It, the it remains to be name. seen how much it helped. Right, right. Like that'll be something that. So like, if Connor wins in January, the biggest name ever in mixed martial arts. Do you really do McGregor versus? Oliveira for the belt. I tell you right now, the UFC doesn't want to do that fight. I'll tell you that. I don't know if they don't want to do it. I just think that I don't know if it sells quite as well as if Gaethje wins. You do McGregor Gaethje. That fight probably sells more than McGregor Oliveira. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is it significantly more? I don't know because ultimately your the fight is sold on the fact that it's McGregor. Well, yeah, but Gaethje is definitely raised his name. Oh, yeah, his be, fight with Habib. It would be significantly higher for sure. It's just. I'm interested to see what they do. So I, right now, I'm thinking Dan Hooker. Uh, I think Willie Bear is probably going to take some time though to see how this. How this if I'm him, I'm sitting and waiting for a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Because again, we're going to see all these in a month. Yeah, essentially. So, so this lightweight division come this time. Well, really, it wouldn't happen yet this time next month. But six weeks from now, this division is going to be in a very interesting spot. Yeah, we're especially have, if a beef. We should have a clear direction. If a beef says he's coming back. Then we got a whole other podcast to talk about, but we're, we'll worry about that yeah. later. True. So I, I think we'll leave it there for now because ultimately it's – at this point it's just let's get through January. Yeah. And yeah. then we can reassess. Yes. We might even have to do a who's next yes. part two on this we, division. We might have to. This division yeah. is bonkers. Yeah. So uh, we'll move on to our main event. Chewy. Yeah. So after all this night of fights that we had. We had to sit through this. <laughs> I, you know, we fully believed, both of us, that Moreno was the the number one contender. Like, he had earned it. But we didn't see him standing much of a chance against Davison here. I feel bad. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't feel bad. I think he showed more than we've ever... I mean, because really, Moreno has never been put through this much punishment. (laughs) I mean, Davison's shots were crazy. He was landing clean and flush all five rounds, and Moreno just kept coming back. Just eating them. I mean, for four rounds, you saw Davison, I think on the broadcast, of Rogan or DC said he's like the Terminator. He's just yeah. walking him down. And he was landing just these crazy power shots. But Moreno just kept coming Even back. the ones with the body was no, what we're getting. Because Davison's hands were low. He had no respect for Moreno's uh, no. ability to and strike. And he was getting fucking hit. He was getting tagged. And he was getting hurt. Moreno hurt. If we're talking like a stun slash wobble, Moreno did that to Davison, and Davison never did that to Moreno. Like, well, There's a point where I thought if Moreno would have put in on Davison, he could have finished the fight. I never felt that way about Davison uh, going on Moreno. I don't know. Moreno never looked injured. He was just eating that shit. It was crazy. I mean, his face was... Busted. Oh, his face was fucked up, but he was never like wobbled. He had that, stunned. that Nate Diaz thing going oh, on. Oh God! And then he was even getting some takedowns later in the fight. I mean, if we're going like a round by round through here, round one, Davison looked terrifying. He was stalking him down. Yeah, laying in the, the his body work last night. I don't know how Moreno even went five rounds after the body shots he was eating because, whoo, Davison was just sinking him in. As Noah pointed out, Davison's hands were low for five whole rounds. Round two, the pace just stayed the same, back and forth. 
I had it 2-0 for uh, Davison. I did too. Round three happens. We get a brutal kick to the nuts. Oh, God. I was worried the fight might be done. Yeah. Moreno got to the point where he was almost going to vomit in the octagon. It was pretty bad. It, um, accumulate that with one or two eye pokes before. I think it was only one that, like, the fight was stopped. Mm-hmm. But then there were other points where Davidson well, he, would, like, cover his face. He po- yeah, he, po- he was but trying, was to, one other he was trying to push off yeah. with his head. Yeah. Which is, that's technique. To get yeah. up off the ground, you, you put the hand on the head and you try to... Yeah, and it just so happened to, one of the fingers. Yeah, and I, I people went into the eye. Look, for one, these two guys deserve the utmost respect yes. and credit. They both came into this fight on three weeks' notice. Yeah, considering they just fought three weeks ago. Yeah, and both won their fights. Sure, did they win pretty cleanly and pretty swiftly? Yes, they did. But you still had to cut that weight yeah. for three weeks later, and they put on a fight of the year contender. Yeah, and apparently for Davison unbeknownst to everyone until the post-fight press conference last night, was in the hospital the night before the fight until 2 a.m. with some sort of infection. Apparently the translation was a little rough on that. I think it was food poisoning. Was uh, I I saw someone on Twitter saying Mm -hmm. that it was, if you really, uh, if you translate it a little more cleanly, it was like food poisoning, um, which makes, which is somehow makes it a little better in my eyes Mm because I'm like, okay, it wasn't like weight cutting complications right. or things like that. Um, regardless, these guys deserve all the credit in the world. Uh, these guys both made it. This was the a star making fight and performances for both these guys and for the division. And for that's yeah, for this division is the best fight in men's flyweight history. It tops some of those classics like uh, Mighty Mouse versus Cejudo two and even Mighty Mouse and John Dodson back in the day. So it it's the up. It is the best fight in men's flyweight history. And, I mean, yeah, if you want to continue going round by round here. I just, I saw some people throwing a little shit at Davison for the fouls. And I get it. Like, I I don't disagree with the point being taken away. Yeah. But that's all you could, I mean, I don't think he was being agreed. Like, I don't think it was on purpose. So, the, the kick to the nuts. Usually when we see a kick to the groin area, they don't take a point. By the way, Herzog was the ref. And he's like... One of the best referees we've got in MMA right now. He's unbelievable. And um, so he took a point after the groin shot. But I think a lot of things played a factor into that. He didn't just deduct it because, oh, you kicked him in the nuts by accident. I think he took into play the eye poke along with how bad the groin shot was. You don't see him that bad usually. And I think he just wanted to set the tone because the fight was still early on. It was like beginning portion of that third round or middle half. It was a wild fight. So he wanted to set the tone like, no more bullshit. And this goes for you too, Moreno, essentially. Like, if either one of you do anything else, I'm going to show you right here. I'm going to take a point. So, that immediately puts Davison at a nine for that round regardless. But I scored it to where Moreno won that round anyways. I did too. Which technically makes round three a 10-8 for Moreno. Well, now all of a sudden, we've got a tied... Tie ball game. <laughs> in our eyes. Yes. yes. Then we go in round four. Moreno looks incredible again. Gets big takedown. Uh, controls the fight even on the feet. Davison looked a little weary in the fourth. He looked like he was slowing down. Yeah. And I think that that was where we were getting. Because we were we kept saying we the kept, longer his fight goes, yeah, exactly. the more it favors Moreno. And this was showing in that fourth round. A yeah. great round for him. The best round he had yes. tonight. So here we are. He wins in round number four. A 10-9. A normal yeah. round. So now we've got Davison, 10-9, 10-9. Nine, nine. 
and Moreno 10-8, 10-9. So technically Moreno is up now, even though it's two rounds to two, yeah. because of the point deduction. And that leaves us to the championship round, number five. The least action we saw in the fight, but give them some slack. They were going balls of the wall. <laughs> the thing was, this wasn't like what we saw in some of these five-round wars where these guys just were exhausted and they just had nothing left. Uh, both these guys made adjustments in this fifth round. Yeah, they were just picking their shots more carefully. Davison was not stalking him down anymore. He yeah. was staying on the outside. And it helped him win the round. Yes. D- Davison won round five, I think for sure. Moreno, it was definitely his least output. But again, they both were like, okay, something's got to change here or I'm going to get knocked out. And Davison looked a little fresher in that fifth Davison round. looked significantly fresher in round five than round four. Moreno, that was his worst in terms of looking exhausted, but he never looked bad either. But Moreno, or Figgy, won that round. So you're thinking, oh, so he won three rounds of two. But if you take into the point deduction, that leaves us with a tie ball game here. The judges' scorecards end up being, you know, you said the one was misread. So yeah, it was so a 48-46 for Davison. Yeah. Which is usually would be a 49-46, but he had a point deduction. So that's why it's 48 but then the other two judges scored at 47-47. Tie ball game, just like Noah and I did, along with our two friends. All four of us scored at a yeah. draw. Which, and that was the right call. Majority draw. We even said it as the fight ended. We thought, that's a draw. Like, I would have been kind of upset if either guy had won. Yeah. Um, it was one of the more fair and, like, just... No one wants to see a draw, obviously, in an MMA fight. But if there ever were to be one... Here's your example. Yeah, that, that was a great There should example. be a draw in a fight. And I, I actually I wanted to touch on that fifth round. For being the least action packed and the the round where it like things slowed down a little bit and guys they were being a little, probably smarter. <laughs> um that last minute, in my opinion, was one of the most intense minutes of a it fight. It was I've down to this minute who because you can win the fight right here. Brandon gets Davison up against the fence and you go, Okay, this is anybody's round. If Moreno lands a takedown here, he, he wins the fight. He wins the fight. He would have won the fight. If Davison could keep it standing, he what maybe wins this round. And you saw Davison able to kind of get Moreno on his yeah, back. Yeah, Davison got the takedown. So what a freaking that last minute I was on the edge of my seat. <laughs> yeah. Um so even with that fifth round being less action packed, that was the moment where I was, it was like, holy deep. shit, because this round was so even. It literally came down to the final minute. Yeah. That's how close it was. And I was like, if Moreno lands his takedown, he's the new champion. Yeah. And yeah. he wasn't quite able to do it. Davidson able to push through. Pulled that out of nowhere, yeah. dude. That last bit of strength. That last bit of Anything that he had left in him. Yeah. And, he, and he landed it. <laughs> Top yeah. three fight of the year, undoubtedly. Best men's flyweight fight of all time. And I can't wait for him to run it back, baby. Yeah, uh, give these guys some time to heal up. Yeah. They've Let, earned it. Let's do it next December. Yeah, let's, these guys, Dana literally says these guys have nothing but time. Yeah, after fighting on three weeks notice, both of them, I think uh, holidays and all this coming up, I'd wait them out till like at least April. Because it looks like January, February, March are looking pretty full yeah. anyway. I'd do April or May. I'll Give them plenty of May, time. May, maybe even June. Especially like, a guy like Figgy who cuts a lot of weight. Yeah. So let him let him get some food in him, you know. Hopefully he did get transported to hospital last night after yeah. the fight. Probably for the fight, obviously, and just to check up on the illness. Yeah. So hopefully he's all good. And uh, what a fight. What, what a fight. What a pay-per-view. 
I'm going to say it. This was best pay-per-view of 2020. Top yeah. to bottom. Yeah. I got to go top to bottom. We're going to do our little grade. Mm-hmm. Our grade's you, on the main card. Yeah, grading on the main card here. Five fights. Now, you said for the pay-per-views we're doing letter grade, yeah. not number. Okay. Yeah. A+. plus. I mean, incredible. And uh, if you could add the prelims on it, I'd give it like a A++++. Plus 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 plus, <laughs> even though it's not real, but... This was so good and such a great way to just finish out that last pay-per-view and to just get us set up for a huge fight night coming up this Saturday. We have a seven-fight main card. Yeah. Anyways, UFC 256, my hat's off to you. What what a what a just capping off point of 2020 for the UFC. What yeah, a year. I, I also am going to go A+. I don't see how you can go any other way here. <clears throat> sure, did Oliveira Ferguson live up to what we thought it was going to be? No, but... You the, still had a huge takeaway. In the that. fact that he was so dominant yeah. is what made it. I mean, still, it, it was still a wonder to watch. Like I, yeah, I was watching Oliveira's performance, just like mind blown. And, and knowing how Tony is, you never quite felt like he was out of the yeah, fight. Exactly. Even he really was never in it to begin yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. So an incredible. You had a huge takeaway on every one of these fights, yep. and to cap it off with the potential fight of the year. Um, I mean, unfortunately, with a year like this one, you have Wei Li Zhang and Joanna Young Jacek out there that's yep. also uh, vying for that spot. Um, if any other year, this is the fight of the year, probably. So yeah. it's what what a way to cap off pay per views for 2020, and I'm so glad it happened for this division. And back to back pay per views for him. Yeah, I, it, this was so happy for those the men's flyweight division. Yeah. And I guess I, I guess I really don't have any other anything else left to say. I mean, yeah, we really summed it all up there. So that's gonna close the book. the 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 ink is dried. The chapter has been written. Yes. UFC two fifty six, and really, our pay per views for twenty twenty. Yeah, we're, the beloved Joe's MMA podcast. No more pay per views. Twenty twenty. Yep. Started with Miocic Cormier three UFC two fifty two. Ended with. Figgy Moreno making history on three weeks' notice. Mm-hmm. So excited, Noah, to go into 2021. Our first pay-per-view starts with Connor. Uh, can't wait to see what we got next year. Yeah, goodness, that ain't better myself. As for the rest of the week, <laughs> Friday, we are previewing oh. a stacked fight night. You How guys, many fights total? Prelims 15, and main card? 15. 15 fights. Yep. Main event Ooh. being Jeff Neal and Stephen Thompson. Ooh. Jeff Neal get he he gets his time. Here. Oh man, gets his due. He is first main event spot. Wonder Boy, this is a familiar spot for him, so yep. it'll be very interesting to see how that fight plays out, um, along with just other just great oh, fights on that card. It's insane. Um, very excited to break that down on Friday again. That's our preview episode, and then obviously next Monday, a week from today, when you're hopefully listening to this, uh, we'll be recapping all the action from that Saturday. And then obviously after that we got another our part two. I'll go ahead and plug it now. Oh yeah. Wednesday, absolutely. December twenty third. The awards. So a week from this coming Wednesday. Yeah. Part two of our twenty twenty year in review. It's the year end awards. And we got a few categories here and I'll actually go ahead and list off because yeah. we polished up the categories a little bit. This is the biggest award show in MMA. Of 2020. <laughs> if there's one award show you're going to tune into, it's going to want to be the Bill Average Joe's podcast. Right. MMA podcast. 
well said. Don't, don't categories. <laughs> Submission of the year. Mm-hmm. Knockout of the mm-hmm. year. Most disappointing fight of the year. Mm. Most surprising fight of the year. Mm. Fighter of the year mm. and fight of the year. Male and female both. Fighter of the year. Is that safe to do it that way? Male fighter of the year, female fighter of the year? I didn't do it that way, but I mean. I say we do it. Okay, we'll we'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we'll. I guess we'll have some more polishing to do then. <laughs> but uh, fighter of the year will be on there, regardless if it's male and female or whatnot. And uh, yeah, that'll be Wednesday, December twenty third. Until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter, Instagram at Diesely fourteen. Find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at B A J underscore. MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which will give you the links to all the platforms that our podcast is on, along with the social media handles, the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, the anchor page, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts is all on there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out, and we're going to see you all on 